Well, hello everybody, and welcome to episode number 97 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike, where we'll be talking about the 20th episode of season 4 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode Farewell, Cruel World. So, how are you today, Hannah? I am okay. I started off having a very crazy day, and it all went bananas at the end. But that's the life of a freelancer. So it is, and also um, the life of somebody who has a bit of a bit of a chesty cough. Oh yes, but you know, that's your poor name I today. Will, <laughs> I will <laughs> cough. I will be fine. Um, buck naked and chesty cough are, uh, <laughs> in the house tonight. So uh, yes, we are we are barreling through, continuing to barrel through season four of Marvel's Agents of Shield. With only uh, three more episodes to go. So, uh, Hannah, please do tell us about the episode that we're covering tonight. Okie dokie. So, Farewell, Cruel World. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yes, of course. Um, Right. Synopsis says, The clock is ticking for Daisy and Simmons to get the team out of the framework, but not everyone is ready and willing to leave. It is directed by Vincent Messiano and written by Brent Fletcher. And when did this air? It aired on the 2nd of May, 2017. Excellent. Um, Well, before we get into that, just a quick reminder to people how they can reach us if they want to give feedback or contribute in any way to the show. Uh, The best way to do that is to email us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com or you can interact with us on Twitter or on Instagram at rewatchproj. Also, please do remember to... um, like and subscribe on youtube and please also feel free to leave us comments there too and uh, please check out our friend shows including the iron sequel the good the bad and the odd talk without rhythm podcast um the film bastards podcast chinstroker versus punter and his film her movie so do all of those things and apple podcast reviews as well are also appreciated uh do we have any feedback there we sure do um, I'll start with the YouTube comments. Um, so, on episode 19, All the Madam's Men, uh, sorry, episode 96, um, Silver Surfer, greetings, fellow agents, sending good energy as always. Thank you, Silver yep, Surfer. Nice to hear. Um, Jack Dubs, I am always a font of positive energy when it comes to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I have to admit that I struggle with All the Madam's Men. It's not bad, it's a solid hour of network TV, but you can tell they were doing some major penny-pinching with this one. Be it Daisy and May's actual escape from the Triskelion, battling Hydra patrols in the street, or the uprising of the people against a fascist dictatorship, much of the action seems to happen off-screen. On a lighter note, I do love the way that the Terrigen Mist in the framework seems to work in a similar way to how power-ups do in video games like Super Mario. Not only does Daisy get her quake powers back, her wounds are now healed and her hair is all shiny and conditioned. (laughs) I I get what you're saying, but I slightly disagree because I thought the rescue was actually really kick-ass. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't very special effectsy, but I thought that it was very well executed. But I get the thing about how there's people outside, but I just assumed that that was because we were going to see that in the next episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I, not... I can't say I thought a, a yeah. lot about it. But sometimes you do. I mean, often you do get to a point in the season where they're like, right, okay, let's write a script where we're using all of these standing sets. The classic one of that is episodes of Star Trek where the entire episode set on the Enterprise. You know, yeah. there's a, a little bit of that. So I, I, uh, I, I get that. Um, anything else? Uh, we also had a comment on our Gabrielle Luna interview from Melba Martinez, just saying 
that it was awesome. Excellent. Um, we have an email from Aid um, entitled All the Madam's Men. Oh. Aid from Birmingham here. Just want to mention a really subtle moment in All the Madam's Men. When Coulson starts to take charge, you see Daisy give him a look and a smile of pride. Hmm. It's a blink and you miss it moment. It is really nicely played. Uh, due to his memory loss, we get to see Daisy being mental to him and the pride she feels when his natural leadership qualities take over. It's a nice little role reversal. Yeah. Great stuff, Aid. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, and I did actually catch that moment, but, I, but I, we didn't discuss it. Yeah, but you, I, you, you I do see too, her, but, the yeah. camera lingers on her, like a sort of like a yeah, go you kind he, of. She almost needed like a cigar in her mouth, sort of. I love it when a player. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, that's a great point. Um, and that role reversal, that of the kind of the uh, the sort of mentor mentee power dynamics, an interesting thing yeah. to do too. Um, we also have a little voice email. Oh, so let's listen to that. Let's do that. Hi Mike, hi Hannah, it is I, Mark. I have some feedback about the current story arc. I thought I'd send it in the form of a rhyme. Season 4 is a hell of a time. Kashrida is elite, Gabriel Luna is stellar, the guys go in places, and what a nice fella. And now we're in a whole new place. We're in cyberspace with Ace Face Mace, set in the pace and on the case. It runs a good race with no disgrace. BSG, Inception, Holodeck, Matrix, all rolled together and run by a Terminatrix. Now we have May changing day by day, seeing the way she's gonna get great, great, <laughs> and all this cool. Daisy's getting mad. Fitz is her flick, caused by his dad. I can't wait to see how this will unroll. This show is better than being sucked off down a hole. <laughs> the pace of your episodes is hard to keep up, but the best things in life start slow, then speed up. I do hope these rhymes sound like the Beastie Boys, but Barry from the Goldbergs is more my soys. So Mark's signing off, and if you think there's something I've missed, please just remember, I cannot abide being dissed. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That was so we, good. We, we officially have to retire the rhyming now because we can't, we can't we top can't, that. No, we can't better that. That was amazing. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. Wow. Peerless, peerless voicemail there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yes, and if if you dare try and follow that with uh, voicemail, well, you can send that to uh, Rewatch Project Podcast at, uh, at gmail dot Should we call him G Body because it's the good, the bad, and the odd? <laughs> is, is that like a contraction? G Body, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, G Body. All right, G Body. G Bud. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, um, with that uh, lingering in the air, we're going to hit pause, and then we are going to. Uh, watch the episode Farewell Cruel World and then we will re- return to uh, respond and give our opinions on that. See you soon. Yeah, Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker, the wit of Mark Hamill's Joker yeah. and the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> The bad. He's bald, he's got a cat, he lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've seen bits of it, it's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www.thegoodthebadandtheodd.com What a beautiful podcast okay so we've just finished watching farewell cruel world the 20th episode of season four of marvel's agents of shield hannah initial thoughts oh it was just so great and um 
I think, um, like I'd, I'd remembered quite a lot about this episode, but I think I've amalgamated some of what's going to happen in the next episode as part of this one. So there was stuff that I was expecting to happen that didn't. Oh, stuff that, stuff, stuff that yeah. you thought was going to happen in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but such a great um, performance from all of the cast, especially um, Radcliffe and Mac yeah. And um And Fitz and Simmons. Fitz and Simmons. And Chloe Bennett's really good yeah. as well. Yeah. Um just just so great. I love um Fitz, you know, the before he goes through the portal versus after he's through and just the the absolute difference in character yeah. um was kind of amazing. What about you? Yeah, no, I really liked it as well. It's funny because the Obviously, there's, there's two more episodes. Yeah. And uh, until we got to the bit where, um, at the very end, when Ada kind of transports Fitz away, I was thinking, God, how, how can there be two more episodes worth of story? Because it felt like it was pretty wrapped up. Yeah. You know, and I think I'd remembered, well, not remembered, I think maybe assumed that the framework, that them being in the framework, maybe it is, maybe they go back, I can't remember, but that went right through to the end of the season. So I was surprised. I, there was a point about halfway through this episode where I thought, oh, they're going to get out this yeah, episode. Yeah, I, I, I knew that there was more to come after they get out of the Yeah, I, well, I see. I, I, I didn't. Um, but the... Um, yes, yeah, so, so there was that. Um, and then I was just thinking, oh, God, does that mean then that the last two episodes are going to be all about bloody... Sweaty vesty vodka onion man, <laughs> you know. What I mean, it's like it's like oh, they've been saving the best till last, you know. And um, Avenovov. Yeah, well, things he reminds me a little bit. It's unnerving, and this is really niche because he's somebody I know. He reminds me of a cross between this guy Andy, who used to be the singer in a band I mean I was in, and a really weird eighties action hero version of Bradley Cooper. It's, oh it's, it's, it's it's an odd sort of amalgamation of things, but he's not in this episode anyway, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get, get distracted. Like, but I thought this was a really good episode as well, and I think that it, one of the things that's really good about Agents of Shield, and most shows do one of these things well, but very rarely do both of them, is that you get wrapped up in the plot, the you know the all of the framework and the them will they get caught and will they get will May go good and all of the kind of um, you know, plot elements, but then the real story elements, so the emotional elements, so the what would it be like leaving, um, you know, a daughter who feels real to you, but intellectually you know isn't real, and, you know, how would you manage that? They do all of that stuff really well too. Yeah. And I think that this episode's a great example of both sides of what the show does really well, but in kind of one sort of neat package. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think all the stuff about Matt not being able to leave Hope, um, just, I, could, I mean, you know, we're parents, so obviously we have our own personal take on it. Um, and I can imagine if I was in that situation... I think all parents would do what Matt did. I, I don't know if I would do it, but I would find it incredibly difficult. Well, no, the thing is, though, is the, the... And this is where the story element comes in. 
the error of the team was keeping Mack in the dark, but then being really blasé about talking about it in front of him. So what had happened was he didn't have time to process. No. You know, and nobody would in that no. time. All you would be thinking about was getting back to your daughter. Yeah. You know, maybe if you'd been brought into it and you'd just had a few days to sleep on it and really understand that. Yeah. But then what would be happening is he would essentially be having to deal with the grief of suddenly realising that his daughter was actually dead which he hasn't had time to process. So yeah. you kind of, it's kind of insane of them to think that anything but that would happen. Yeah. I think there was that catch-22 of if, if he had known um, what the mission was, he wouldn't have been involved. But they in should have, it feels, and I don't know whether this is maybe a bit of a bit of the writing showing or whether it's just the fact that the characters didn't have time but I feel like it seems kind of like an obvious conversation to have that you'd be like look okay well when we get there Mac's not going to want to go through because of this whole thing with his daughter so you'd have to either hatch a plan of like well let's just not tell him and just push him in and deal with the consequences of that one on the other side or level with him now give him some time to think about it and decide what he's going to do. Or, But it just seems odd that nobody had that conversation or had that thought. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, you could hand wave it as Daisy, like they're dealing with a lot of shit, you yeah, know. Yeah, and Daisy and Simmons are split up for a lot of the time. Yeah. So, and they're really the only ones who have um, kind of their full... Their Picture. full knowledge. Yeah, everybody um, else has doubts yeah. even Colson to a certain extent he's like you know I'm giving a lot on faith here yeah but um but yeah so I think it's just yeah that I, I remember that from the first time watching it thinking well what did you think was going to happen yeah of course he reacted like that you know any sort of sane person would um but again that's a little bit kind of it's that's a bit of a, a bit of a leg of beef moment yeah so we start off with one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s trademark 10 days ago kind of or flashback sort of sequences. Yeah. And basically what we see is we see the sort of the, the Zephyr um, crew. Um, so Yo-Yo and those kind of like second tier recurring agent characters that we've yeah. been seeing. Um, we see that them and um, Daisy and Gemma's side of what happened. You know, we actually get to see them being put into the Matrix, you yeah. know. Um, and then we cut to um, the present day because obviously you see them get put into the matrix um, in the episode that they go into it. Yeah, but you don't get this. This scene is new in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah? Um, so we're seeing stuff that we haven't seen before. Is right. what I'm saying. Um, and obviously, the last episode left off with um, you know the baddies realizing that the the only way to win is to kill uh, the real. Um, Simmons and Daisy who yeah. are on the plane so they've they've they're running out of time and what we're seeing is is that they're putting so many resources into sort of powering keeping them in there that they're you know running on fumes basically at this yeah. point and things are quite dire so all non-essential functions um are, are there to keep them there to keep them in we see we see in the um framework that martial law has been declared and things are getting really sketchy um, Daisy's very happy to see Trip, and Trip's kind of obviously understandably confused about that. A bit tripped out, yes. <laughs> um, Daisy says that she's not been able to rescue Fitz yet. Since, oh yeah, we see that Mac is uh, is is getting ready to um, take his daughter home, and Daisy obviously thinking, "Shit, we've got to kind of keep him around." Keep him around, yeah. So she kind of says, "Oh, we've got another mission to go on." You know, the, the quote mission. 
there's references, there's several references in, in this storyline, but particularly in this episode to fake news. And I think that that yeah. was becoming, that was a term that was starting to bubble up in the public consciousness around this time. Yeah. You know, for obvious uh, obvious reasons. This would have been around the time that, that um, Trump's campaign um, would Is have happened. Early? Well, he was president. He's just finished being president. He was president for four years, so that means he must have been president from twenty from two thousand and eighteen. No, no. Um, Biden's been president for a while. It's been for what about a year? It's been longer than that. Yeah, but but it still means that that Trump would have become president around this. Well, I think around this time or just after. So. He, the, the that term would have been new, new right. at this time. We see that uh, Colson goes to tell May about the simulation, but she's quite cynical about it. Um, Fitz goes cynical? to see May. Yeah. <laughs> Fitz goes to see Radcliffe, uh, and you know uh, Radcliffe's kind of goading Fitz, uh, and Fitz basically says that he can help him be reborn and and uses the kind of his knowledge that or his understanding that Radcliffe is somebody who could be seduced by scientific promise well you know that's that's what he thinks he's doing exactly. and, and definitely the way it's coming across is like to the okay, audience well, Radcliffe has turned again yeah yeah um, exactly it's not like he doesn't have a history of, no, of, of this flip flopper from way back he is yep um and basically, he says that he can help him be reborn in the real world using the Darkhold. And basically, but he goes one step further and says, well, you can be you know, immortal, essentially. Um, and the thing is, this is one of those crazy sci-fi concepts that I can see happening, mm-hmm. is that we now have cloud technology where, I mean, I use the example of video games. You know, you can play a video game on your Xbox on the console, um, but if your games are stored in the cloud you can then go and access that on your phone and play on yeah. there and then go there. So, you know, you've got the the video game console is like your body, yeah. but then you've got this other world, this other ecosystem. I'm waving my phone in the air, by the way, when I'm saying that microphone, um, <laughs> the, the, to, to play on. So the technology exists. Mm. So all we need now is some way of being able to convert memory from our brain into some kind of storable content. Yeah. That's the Rosetta Stone. Once that's done, that's it. That's everything. If you could just take because the brain essentially is a data storage, it's an organic data storage device. Once somebody, and this will happen, figures out how but to, but if we all end up in the dystopian hellhole that is the frame, no, no, but that's the thing is that is that is that if somebody did that, this whether it's dystopian or not, I mean, that's just a question of circumstances, but the. The, the the way that it's presented in the series where you've got this sort of matrixy world which is essentially the cloud and then you've got the androids that are, or, or the bot the skin jobs that are walking around uh with them they're the portable devices you know it's the the technology infrastructure exists somebody just needs to figure out how to get it out of your out of your you know at your noodle and into some of the storage device and that is complete. I mean, this isn't like time travel or something that's just completely theoretical. This is scientifically doable. Somebody just needs to figure science shit out of it, basically. Mm. Um, and you know, it's kind of crazy because I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but the thing is, science is agnostic. 
Mm. You know, it's science doesn't have. I didn't say it was godless. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but no, but what I mean is, it, it's science is agnostic in the sense that the science itself is amoral. Mm. You know, it's the same end, the same technology that you know caused Hiroshima is the same technology that put man on the moon. Yeah, you know, so it's the application of you know the you, 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 it's the they say on the show, and this is something they've explored. You know, you can't blame the person who invented the knife for every stabbing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's this is the sort of conversations we're getting into. But I just think that it's interesting that it's starting that this whole storyline feels closer to fringe science than it does pure speculative science fiction. Yeah. You know yeah. I, I mean it, this isn't like warp drive or things no. like that. This is something that in a 80 or 90 years time people might look back at TV shows like this and go oh wow they kind of saw this coming it's a bit like Minority Report isn't it yeah you know well well, I mean with that film one of the reasons why they so, had a think tank they had, they? Yeah, yeah yeah basically one of the reasons why that they um, so much of that film um, has been influential was that they actually got people who were working in um, like town planning mm. um, and aviation and all of these fields and basically what there were loads of things in that film, like the multi-touch, that, that were in early development stages, but weren't... In fact, this was years before the iPad. Um, and I guess, really, I suppose, the, the, the iPod Touch, which was the prototype for the iPhone, was the first time that most people saw that technology. And, and, and that was... My Russia report was a decade before that, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of crazy. And I think what you start and it changed the way we viewed science fiction so for example if you look at the idea of architecture when you think of science fiction you think of these super futuristic buildings what the futurists on minority report said was you'll still have old houses but yeah. they'll be retrofitted you'll have so he said, he said if you want to make something look futuristic just get an 18th century townhouse and just put a bunch of piping on the outside of it that looks slightly techy. Yeah. And that's what it'll end up looking like, you know. Because mm. people aren't going to just knock everything down and make sci-fi buildings. Well, no, they'll just not. They'll fix up whatever's already there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's... it's so so I, I just think that it's interesting, I think, sometimes when sci-fi shows do this stuff because even in the five years since it's aired, it probably seems... Because being able to access your entertainment from multiple devices is much more of a thing now than it was even five years ago. Yeah. Um, and so that makes this seem closer, yeah. you know, than it did then. And I just find that sort of stuff fascinating. Mm. Um, Simmons speaks to May about the other world mm -hmm. and that she knows her there. Um, they, uh, this is where May mentions uh, in passing Fitz's father, and basically Simmons, the penny drops. Yeah, she's like, okay, she I can see what's what happened here. Thing yeah, where he's turned. Exactly. Yeah, she goes for his dad and basically says that he poisoned his mind. He overpowers her. This is like the ultimate bad running with the in-laws, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately, you know. <laughs> um, Coulson is um, the. Let's talk about Coulson as the face of the revolution. Uh, and he says, I usually prefer being more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Fitz no, no, it, it, I prefer shadows from the shadows. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Fitz and Radcliffe find his dead dad, and Fitz is understandably a bit pissed off. Um, the plane gets attacked. Um, they're getting ready to leave the dream world, as they call it. Uh, we see Fitz disobey Ada's order 
um, to um, when she orders him to return. Um, and I kind of love the moment where um, the PA or whoever she is comes back to tell Ada that Fitz is still chasing after G- Gemma. I love the moment um, when the PA starts talking to Ada and like on her face looks like she's expecting them expecting the woman to say the plane they're on their way back yeah and when when it's shown that no no he's gone fuck you I'm still doing it it's kind of like shit I don't have as much control over him as I thought I had you know yeah Yeah. and it's kind of like it's almost as though you can't cheat reality completely and this is getting back to this this whole thing that science fiction always comes back to whenever you have these conversations about artificial intelligence and fake realities is this idea of soul yeah this idea that you you can put artificial memories in somebody's head you can brainwash them but ultimately some part of them that isn't measured through physiology or biology or psychology this other thing which people call soul but could be probably in other cultures has a different name and it's it's that thing like i mean i mentioned before about how sure you know you could take somebody's memories and i I believe this will happen one day um but people will when that happens say it's not really it's not really them and when they say that what they're talking about is soul and i don't mean that in the um judeo-christian sense no um it's just a kind of a name we give this essence that we don't understand and isn't measurable yeah in in the same way that like you know blood pressure or brain activity or um it's the, the pulse it's the vibe it's, it's just vibe. you know it's just and i don't to know the castle and i think that that's where things like spirituality and religion come from because there are some things that are indefinable yeah just so esoteric that i don't think we will ever understand them and that doesn't mean that they're magic it just means that some things are unknowable you know that our brain we our brains are only capable of so much you know yeah and and they're things that aren't quantifiable yeah you know you can't you can't measure them and see them and or touch them or smell them whatever it is like Like, there's no sense to recognize what it is yeah and you can't it's like my natural magnetism you can't quite um everyone measure it (laughs) so obviously trip can't go with them because he's not real i keep forgetting this as well and then i'm thinking well what would happen when they go does i mean we know just for a little bit but do they understand what will happen to the world does it just continue on without them if they're not there you know if if a you know tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to see it well you know um that's something that will be explored oh okay okay cool um but i i mean my memory is so poor that i'm asking that as a rhetorical question (laughs) at this point i mean at this stage they've got no idea all they're looking at is getting out yeah well and also i suppose yeah you're right because in the last episode ward was like you know will my daisy return and she's like i don't know yeah you know so there are uncertainties sort of existential uncertainties about what will happen when you know all of the people who are plugged in you know it's kind of like when you exit a video game that video game isn't still continuing on 
in the background, yeah. you know, whilst you're there. It's like Rick and Ralph. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the what was that Ryan Reynolds film? Um, Free Guy. Yeah, Four Guy. Free Guy. Free Guy. You know, the Free Four Guy, guy is uh, Lee Major's stuntman, <laughs> and she says to him that he should be the Patriot, and it kind of reminds me. It's almost like a precursor to Sam taking over well, as Captain America. It's funny you say that because in the last episode, I was saying, I think it was the last episode or the one before, I was saying how Trip could have been a really great Captain America because he's so uncomplicated and just what you Yeah, it feels like they're doing their own... Good intentions and all this. Yeah. And he's basically having the same conversation that happens in any yeah. game. And he's kind of like acting like maybe I'm a little bit unworthy, but she's like, yeah. no, I think, you know, you... You, you go you, for you it, know, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's it's before, like the framework version of the It is, yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it predated it, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was oh, before Endgame. Yeah. Uh, but then again, it, uh, who knows? The comics. Yeah. You know, I think probably everybody's been Captain America at some point or another in the comic yeah. books, you know. So the scene go to the exit location. We see a pool of sort of molten steel. Max confused about the other world talk as well. This is the conversation I mentioned earlier on. Yeah. I love the fact that what we're seeing Ada being born into is essentially a, a 3D printer. Yeah. Like a giant 3D printer. Hydra rock up and has a shootout in the foundry. Daisy quakes for lava and they see that kind of, you know, like black hole, stargate kind of yeah. uh, portal there. Uh, Coulson gets shot. May says, not on my watch, which always <laughs> makes me happy. We've had nodding May and not on my watch. I think we're going to have to have a hell's five steps behind me. Uh, and a breathe, damn you, breathe as well at some point. Yeah. Uh, although she could have done that. This episode, there was an opportunity. Can you imagine that? If she'd have done a, a nod, a breathe, damn you, breathe, and a nod on my watch all in the same episode, I think the universe would have imploded, wouldn't it? You're getting very excited. You're almost struggling to take a breath between words. So, May basically... So, yes, so, so it, is, it is most positively not on her watch. Um, <laughs> and she... And uh, she will not abide being dead. <laughs> yes, the status is not quo. Um, <laughs> you are a nothing if not a <laughs> Yes, um, so um, Coulson says this feels oddly familiar when he gets shot and he says come with me and ba- basically what we're talking about here he says it sort of explicitly as well is it's a leap of faith you mm-hmm. know that they're going to have to take here yeah I love that you see him fall into it and then it's very much you're back in the real world and yeah. and you don't know if um, if May's followed suit or what story is. Well, that is what occurred to me as well. When they started appearing in the real world, I'm like, well, shit, what's your plan now? It's yeah. like, you know, he could, he could have woken up with blooming sweaty, vesty vodka onion man, just like... Indeed. Letter opener to his neck. Um, but he still can't do anything about it. No, I know, I know. Well, yeah, I suppose, unless it's perceived that they're more of a threat to, to, the, framework. to the framework at yeah. that point. Which is the end of the subjectivity to that as well, I guess. Yeah. But uh, so May returns as well. Matt realizes that it's not real. Fitz finds them. Simmons tries to wake him up, but he shoots her in the leg. And Radcliffe saves the day, basically. He says that this was never his intention. He tells Fitz not to blame himself and pushes him into the, uh, the Stargate. Simmons wakes up on the plane. As I a- like that um, Radcliffe says to Simmons that it was the only way he could think of to. Um, Get in for, there. For, for Fitz to be who he should be yeah you know well he, well, he also he, know, he knows that he needed to physically get him there in order for him to go through yeah. the through the yeah. thing so he contrived all of this and um Simmons wakes up on the plane he gets attacked uh, I love that as well it's like yeah I'm free and then it's like the plane's gonna get attacked it's like well that's just 
effing marvellous, isn't it? This, <laughs> yeah. This is happening. Um, Mac hesitates and Daisy tells him that Hope is not alive in the real world. Yeah. And basically he says he doesn't care that it's not real. And there's a really nicely acted scene between the two of them. Yeah. Um, Fitz is, is understandably spooked and disoriented. Uh, disorientated. Um, he's guilty about Mace because obviously that he was real. Because everyone's like, oh, it's fake. Just, you know, fucking relaxed guy. And uh, he's all like, no, 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 you know, a real person died here. But And also, it's quite a... If you're not really paying attention, you don't hear it when you see his... It felt natural. It felt natural. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's freaking him out more than anything. It was just how is, easily he is, slips into it. It felt like what he should be doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think... And and so he he's taking that as to mean he's a bad person. But I think... Um, I think the the what he's feeling like the feeling of natural feeling of doing these things is um, because he's followed the path in in the framework. Yeah. He's followed it down the line of how Ada wants it to go. Well, so also it was we know that this whole sliding doors thing that he, he this the junction point for him was his relationship with his dad. Yeah. So this is the what could have been. So it's almost like he's sensing that that this is an adjacent possible reality. Fitz is somebody who has obviously been... He's a geek, so he's probably probably somebody who's been bullied quite a lot in his life and been put upon. And it would be... Having that sense of power would be... Well, it would be empowering. Yeah. And I think that somebody who's been pushed around suddenly getting to be the man... Would feel good, yeah. If you've had the, yep. the your cognizance around the morality of it removed, which he has, mm. it would feel natural because you'd be like, finally, it's my ch- my turn, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. And and I think most people who who have been treated the way he probably has been in life would feel like that. Yeah, you know. I mean, particularly when you figure that he's worked for an organisation like Shield, where I mean, if you look at his relationship with Ward in season one being surrounded by all of this testosterone and all these macho ass kickers and being kind of like treated like the IT guy. Yeah. I, I get that. Ada, the real Ada, well, the, the human Ada, uh, teleports off with Fitz. Mac returns to the faux uh, shield base. And basically, this is where we get the Wizard of Oz moment where he says that like the rest of the team have gone back to Kansas, but they're going to stay in Oz. And there is no post credit scene. Indeed. It's all just very plinkety plonkety piano. I think at this point you can't have a post credit. Well, there's two more episodes, so it's heads down, isn't and, it? Everything's got to too, go into the. There's too much kind of. I think you could give too much away by doing a post credit thing. Well, you'd have to go to one group of characters, and that would give you some indication as to where the storyline yeah. goes. And I think, but there's kind of everything's in play now. Yeah. It's like all of the sort of chess pieces, because often those post credit sequences are an extra chess move they were like oh yeah. but then this person's doing this I think we're past chess moves really at this point and yeah. we're just into what's the outcome of the yeah. storyline yeah, going to be but uh, any final thoughts Anna? Uh no just a really solid episode I'm I'm just hungry to continue but but also I don't want it to end if that <laughs> makes sense no absolutely but I am looking forward to season 5 season yeah I, a good one. I really am too because uh, in season 5 we did actually was the first season of the show that we actually watched the first time as a binge. 
Yeah, it is. Because we, we waited until the... We watched the first couple, and we weren't vibing it. I think because we just we just finished watching Babylon 5, I think, couldn't we? Yeah. And I just don't think we were in the right frame of no. mind for it. And it wasn't that they thought it was bad, but it was just... But we, we kind of... I think consciously made the decision that we'd wait and then we started and then basically I think there was it was like the week before the final episode was going to air and I think that we just burned through it all and we watched like maybe I think we did I think we did like an ep a night for yeah. uh, a few weeks and I think there were some nights we did too yeah so I think that maybe I feel like I remember a lot of season five. Yeah, I, I remember do too. it pretty clearly. I yeah. mean, I suppose it was more recently than that, yeah. but I think the fact that we no, watched but it... um, there's lots of season six that like I think that's the season I remember the least. Yeah, yeah, I um, think season three is the one I remember the least. Mm. But uh, but no, looking forward to it. Um, okay, Hannah, what are we talking about next week? Uh, so the next episode is called The Return. Synopsis says, Coulson and the team's victory in the framework is short-lived as an even deadlier enemy looms against them all. Oh, God, it's going to be the best, isn't it? Um, it's directed by Kevin Tankeron. Oh, should, be, should look good then. Written by Jed and Marissa Tankeron. Oh, Jed wow. Reden and Marissa Tankeron. So we've very much got... That's, that's the A-team of writers and director, yeah. isn't it, there? So... Uh, that should be good stuff. A couple of quick reminders, guys. Uh, emails, emails, emails. We are approaching our hundredth episode, and it would be really nice um, if we could have um, maybe uh, we could tag on a feedback section. So I would encourage anybody who please send the usual feedback where we talk about these episodes. But anybody maybe who hasn't fed back before and who just wants to introduce themselves, just give them the thoughts on the podcast in general, or just wishes happy anniversary. Now is a really good time to do it. Absolutely. And um, also, please, Apple Podcast Reviews, likes, subscribes, uh, and thumbs up, and all that good stuff on YouTube. Indeed. Um, the and, tube um, of you. The tube of you. The tube of I. <laughs> it is I, tube. <laughs> and I, I did notice that Mark started his voicemail with, it is I, Mark. So that was a nice little uh, nice little reference. Very subtle as well. I didn't emphasise it. Just yeah. drop that in there. Yeah. Also, please check out our friend shows and Apple Podcast Reviews are appreciated as always. So that is us for now. And we will be back very soon to talk about the penultimate episode of Season 4, The Return. So uh, speak to you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Take care.